Yeah, I don't know why we're not talking enough about fiber because if you look at population studies, that's what we're lacking in our diet. It isn't protein. If you look at vegans versus vegetarians versus omnivorous people, um, omnivorous eaters, um, we have more than adequate stores of, of protein, consumption yeah. of protein. Välkommen till en ny episode av En skikkelig framtid med mig Hanne Lene. I dagens episode får du möta en av Storbritanniens största ernäringsprofiler, nämligen Rupi Ajla. Han har utdannat sig som läge, jobbar också med det, men har också en av de största podcasterna in hälsa i Storbritannien. Han har gett ut två bestsäljande böcker och har hela 175 000 följare på sin Instagram-konto doctors-kitchen. Jag mötte Rupi på en konferens om framtidens mat här i London och jag blev fascinerad över hans otroligt fine måte och snakke om komplexa ernäringsfrågor på. I dagens episode snakker vi om de olika näringsstoffen vi alla lurer på om vi får nok av. Han berättar hvorfor fiber är er så otroligt viktig, och det är er en väldigt lärorik prat med fokus på att lägga listan där faktiskt folk klarer att motivera sig till att vara. Detta är er sista episoden och jag snakker engelsk på en stund och jag försökt att översätta lite undervis då jag vet att det är er någon som ikke läser lika mycket om disse teman på engelsk naturligt nog. Coolt. So, I'm going to switch to English and I I think that is more um uh, nerve-wracking for me than it is for you because this is your uh, mother language. Yeah. But uh so I want to welcome to my podcast Rupi and then the uh, last name is Ojula. Yeah, perfect. Oh, very, very well pronounced. Fantastic. Okay, so uh, for everyone that doesn't know you, who are you, what do you do, and why, what do you think you're here? <laughs> yeah, why well, we're here, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm a medical doctor. Uh, I work in the NHS as a general practitioner. I also work in emergency medicine. Uh, I'm founder of uh, The Doctor's Kitchen, which is a fashion project, really, that I started four years ago, where I cook recipes and I teach people about the clinical research behind the ingredients I use in an effort to inspire everybody about the beauty of food and the medicinal effects of eating well. Um, I have YouTube channels and Instagram and all the rest of it. Uh, I published two cookbooks. Um, There's a BBC series as well called Cooking in the Doctor's Kitchen. And I am here really because I'm trying to promote the the collaboration between food industry, uh, nutritional scientists and uh, medics. So people like myself who work on the front line. Uh, and I'm also here to try and um, uh, discuss the potential impact of my digital innovation, which is uh, a digital shopping list that connects with online supermarkets, uh, delivering the ingredients uh, and the basics for creating my recipes at home every oh, day, fantastic. every week. Oh, fantastic. Oh, is that, is it up and running? Or Not is it- yet. So we've wireframed a prototype and we've tested it on a couple of my followers that we invited to the studio, which is where I record all my YouTube videos and podcasts. And um, they loved it. We had some really good feedback. And now I'm in the process of creating a tech team to essentially build it and then start testing it. Fantastic. Yeah. <clears throat> Okay, you need to start this in Norway. Okay. Uh, but uh, I know you from your podcast, The uh-huh. Doctor's Kitchen Podcast. So for everyone who hasn't listened to that, what is it about, uh, except the obvious food and, and the doctor's, sure, yeah. the doctor thing, but what yeah. are you trying to, to create with that? Yeah, well, you know what? It's really weird. It was kind of like a an organic process. I, I was kind of told that I should do a podcast by my publisher when I wrote my first book. It was like 2017 and podcasts were just about getting quite popular, I think. Um, I was definitely a listener of lots of different podcasts. So I thought I'd just do six episodes 
introducing myself, my story, my background, um, and the principles of healthy, healthy eating. So eating whole, eating largely plant, eating fiber, eating colors, and describing in detail what they meant with respective scientists. Mm-hmm. So I had a good friend of mine who's a nutritionist talking about plant-focused diets and the population studies that underpin that. I had another friend of mine uh, who's done uh, a, a biochemistry degree, and we were talking about phytochemicals in plant foods like curcumin. Okay, so we have to stop there. So phytochemicals. Sure. Okay, what is that? So phytochemicals are uh, distinct chemicals that you find in plants. So curcumin in turmeric is a very commonly known one. So curcumin i gurkimaya, just translating here. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Or another popular one is probably resveratrol in red wine. Okay, Um, I know red wine. I don't know the other one, so sorry. That's all right. Um, uh, You also also find resveratrol and things like peanuts or whatever. Mm-hmm. The, the, the interesting thing about phytochemicals is that there are literally thousands of them uh, that we're aware of at the moment, probably in the region of anywhere between six and 7,000. Um, and the impact of them on human health is largely unknown for the majority of them. Um, and I find that an absolutely wonderful opportunity to promote the consumption of whole foods that have a lot of these different phytochemicals bound and, uh, and created in them in their most complex and digestible form uh, for, for us to, to consume. So, you know, that's why I'm a big fan of eating as many different whole plant-based foods as, as possible. Okay. So, but, yeah. yeah. So, so whole plant-based food means eating... Nothing that is, or not nothing, but mostly things that you can peel yourself, yeah. feel yourself, you know exactly what's in it. Right? Yeah, essentially. It's, it's yeah. kind of like, uh, you know, instead of having the apple juice, you, you have a whole apple. So yeah. you actually have the skin where the phytochemicals are concentrated. Uh, or, for example, instead of having a, a ready meal, you will make a, a quick one pan meal in 20 minutes because you know that... Ready meals have added ingredients. They are cooked, most of them like days before, and the general degradation of those nutrients occur over a time period. Okay. So yeah, so I mean, I mean that was the whole concept behind the podcast. Just six episodes and describing what the principles of healthy eating are, and it was so popular. And I got so many messages that you know you should do more of these. We want you to talk about different health complaints. So we did a whole bunch of different podcasts for for different uh, issues. So eating for your brain. You for your heart, eating for immunity and inflammation, and and that was really the basis of the second book that I wrote, uh, Eat to Beat Illness. Where Eat to Beat Illness. Yeah. yeah. So I do a, a deep dive into individual subject matters. So uh, mood, for example. So what the evidence base is behind lifestyle measures and nutrition impacting our mood in both a positive and negative way. Um, and, and really, when you dive into different subjects, you realize it's all the same. All the principles of healthy eating are the same. So you don't need to eat prescriptively to improve your brain health or to improve inflammation levels. You know, you just need to stick to the, the basic principles and you'll be looking after yourself naturally. And the basic principles are? Eating lots of different types of fiber. Mm-hmm. So beans, lentils, legumes, nuts, seeds. Is there fiber in animal uh, products? No. No, so no. only plant-based. You don't have to be 100% plant-based. No, but it's the but, fiber. But the fiber is all in plants. Yeah, right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, quality fats. Mm-hmm. So uh, those are fats that you find naturally in things like seeds, nuts, and yes, cold-pressed oils as well. Mm-hmm. They're, they're concentrated sources of vitamin E and a few other um, plant chemicals. Um 
having lots of variety in your food, so a variety of colors. Mm-hmm. So you're getting red peppers, courgettes, asparagus, broccoli, all these different colors, because uh, you're guaranteeing a good collection of different micronutrients and phytochemicals. Um, having a plant-focused lifestyle. So I'm not vegan, uh, but I will have 85, 90% of my meals as, as plants. Because looking at the population studies, we know that the more plants you have, the lower the risk of a number of different lifestyle-related illnesses, cardiovascular disease, dementia, et cetera. Um, so, and eating in time, I think, is another one that a lot of people don't really talk about too much. Eating in time? Eating in time, yeah. So not necessarily intermittent fasting or um, time-restricted eating, but eating in a general 12-hour window, 10 to 12-hour window, mm-hmm. I think is a good way of ensuring that you're not overeating either side of that time period and you're allowing your body or in particular your gut, to have a rest. Um, And I think it's, from an evolutionary point of view, uh, quite, um, it's quite obvious that we we wouldn't have been eating during nighttime hours or outside of those windows. We'd just be eating during the daylight hours. But then I know that a lot of people are, okay, but I can, I need my breakfast. That is like the most important meal. And they've heard that forever. Yeah. Uh, And if you have your breakfast at like seven in the morning and you're only going to eat for 10 hours yeah yeah then it's like five o'clock yeah yeah and what yeah. are you doing then in front of the telly at night yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. what's yeah. your advice i mean the first thing i wouldn't eat your your food in front of the telly uh, you want to try and eat Good consciously point. and like you know eating around the table or with people if you can or or, or chewing you know properly because it helps with the digestion of your food um but obviously the, these are just guides it, it doesn't necessarily need to be a fart and harsh rule and i think Sometimes, particularly in the food um, industry, or or I would say like health conscious beings, we can beat ourselves up a lot, you know, and be quite restrictive uh, and be unnecessarily obsessive about these sorts of things. So, you know, for example, uh, this morning I didn't actually have breakfast. Um, uh, I ate first here, and we have some great conference food here. It's one of the best conferences I've had. Uh, I've, I've been We're to at the a food, food conference. So yeah, it's very good. Yeah. You should expect that, right? Yeah. yeah. I actually missed lunch because I oh, was doing you? a podcast. Oh, really? Oh, so you poor I thing. had a banana. Oh, it was great. It was yeah. really good. Okay. Yeah, sorry. What, what was it? So what was it today? I was uh, couscous, uh, bean, no, not a bean salad. It was a walnut salad uh, with chicory, uh, another very good gut healthy food, uh, spinach, tomatoes. Um, they had some uh, of these plant-based meatballs. Okay. I don't know how I feel about plant, like a these alternatives because i think they have a lot of fillers and additives that might not be very good for your gut um but it did taste good okay good <laughs> was that from the the brand that was here i can't remember their name uh, the moving flag. mountains moving mountains no it was yeah. a different brand today okay. i can't remember what it was okay um, but yeah yeah, yeah but they yeah. were good at least it did taste nice and yeah. since we're on that subject with yeah. uh, plant-based uh meats if we can call them mm. that um you say that it might not necessarily be good for your gut yeah But how does that compare to eating the real meatball? The real meat thing, yeah. Yeah. What Um, do you think? um, So I think we can categorize uh, non-animal meats, quote unquote, into three separate categories. One where they 
try and mimic the texture and the taste of meat by any cost. Mm -hmm. So that's using additives, salt, um, sweeteners, etc. Um, and they're generally unhealthy. They taste good, but they're generally unhealthy. Then you have the healthy plant-based um, alternatives, which have whole foods like beetroot and the beetroot juice to mimic the, the juices. Like or, Beyond Meat. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then you have like a, a good quality sort of whole beans as the protein source and combining that with you know a whole brown rice flour for example um, those are generally okay I, th I think but the taste is where they, they lack and then you have this new sort of field of cell-based cultures whether that be from mushroom mycelia or or actual animal cells so Perhaps mycelia we need to what is that mushroom fungi okay yeah so it's another mushroom than like corn yeah it's, it's kind of like a, a different type of fungi that is grown in a cell environment and then you you mimic a lot of the the meatiness the umami uh texture yeah i think yeah. there's a company here doing that there right? is yeah, yeah. so yeah. i'm going to tell you more about that in another episode cool yeah. <laughs> yeah. um so perhaps there's four categories of the three I would think that the the whole plant-based category is the safest category at the moment mm -hmm. because we know that those, what those ingredients are, we know that they're generally healthy, and we know what the long-term consequences are of eating lots of different sorts of beans and whole grains. The, the lab stuff, uh, I would love to think that it's a good alternative to animal products because we know that Animal, real animal products are unsustainable for the number of people that we have on the planet. Um, logistically, it's an absolute nightmare. Um, and yeah, the, I think those are the two main concerns I have about it. However, I don't want know what the long-term impact of having cell-based animal products are. Yeah. Like, uh, And we'd probably only know 15, 20 years later on. But so if you get to choose, even though we don't know... Would you then choose the animal meatball or like the lab-grown, really futuristic? Uh, I would personally actually choose the whole, uh, the, the actual animal product that I know has come from a good source that's okay. sustainably. And how do you know? Well, as in like how we already know right now. So grass-fed, uh, I know the farm, I know, you know, my butchers told me about how the process is, it hasn't been uh, injected with hormones or antibiotics, even though I think I'm a bit of a hypocrite because I know that that's unsustainable and unachievable for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but that's, I think we all have a choice. Yeah, but um, on, on, that, on that note about being a hypocrite, hmm. is it possible to live without being that? nowadays oh yeah no, of course yeah like zero cost or cruelty free is an absolute impossibility yeah. i mean the fact that we we're in this hotel and the you know it's been pumped full of aircon or you know i traveled here or i own a car you know the, the, yeah. the, the, it's impossible and, it, yeah. and again it can verge on that obsessiveness of, yeah. of you know being uncomfortable with every aspect of your life so basically if if it's not possible to live without being a hypocrite mm -hmm then that word doesn't have a meaning. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, because then yeah. we're all. so We're all pretty hypocritical, yeah. I agree. And I suppose to mitigate that, the very fact that I eat meat so infrequently mm -hmm. probably offsets my carbon footprint enough to satisfy me anyway. Yeah. So like I'll have like a steak every two or three weeks mm -hmm. maximum. Um, and I generally don't eat chicken products or even fish actually, um, apart from anchovies maybe once a week. But that's interesting since coming from Norway, I get a lot of questions about fish. Mm. So from your standpoint, why don't you eat fish? I do eat fish. You I do. do, oh, eat, I, do eat I do. Fish. Yeah, I eat anchovies, I eat mackerel, I eat small fish. Small fish? Yeah. Why? Do, uh, you, eat, do you eat salmon? 
I, I do, do eat know? salmon, yeah, every yeah. now and then I do, uh, but I tend to have the majority of my fish coming from things like anchovies and mackerel. Because they're good sources of a whole omega-3s. Um, they're lower down the food chain, so they're less likely to be impacted by environmental pollutants. Mm -hmm. We know that things like uh, particularly um, swordfish and tuna, the bigger types of fish, they will unfortunately be... Uh, uh, they will be impacted by environmental pollutants and plastics in our oceans. Um, and so the higher up the food chain you go, the more concentrated they are with um, potential nasties. Um, yeah, which is a an issue that I think uh, is going to come to a lot of more people's attention in the years to come when we have a lot more research around it. You don't have kids, or do you? No. 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 So, um, but if I come to you and mm. say, okay, so, hey, I'm uh, I'm going to try to get uh, get pregnant or something. Yeah. Uh, as a doctor, uh, how would you feel about fish and eating that? Uh, because I know there's a lot of controversy around that. Yeah. So I think uh, certainly cooked fish is fine and smaller like further down the food chain, so anchovies, mackerel. During pregnancy, iodine is very important, particularly during the first yeah. trimester. So iodine, they are uh, yod. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yodine. sure, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's very important, particularly during the first trimester. Mm -hmm. And the commonest sources of iodine are fish, um, dairy products, um, but we don't recommend getting it from algae sources or kelp. Um, okay. So sea vegetables, because they're making very, very high concentrations of iodine. And it's quite hard to actually tell which ones have okay. high sources so versus... The, uh, the, the algae has a lot of iodine, so it's basically a good thing, but you can get too much of it in very small amounts. Exactly. That's what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. yeah you can so do. if you're going to have like supplements or something from that, you need to pay attention to how many. Actually, how much there is, how, how many milligrams of yeah. iodine there is. Is yeah. it like 225 or something we should have? This is I very. I don't know yeah, off no. the top of my head. <laughs> no, and this is very, very nerdy. So yeah, let's, no, no, uh, we'll, all good. we'll hop uh, over to a little bit more for everyone here. Um, so I wanted to ask you. Um, if you would recommend that everyone eats some sort of ingredients per day, mm -hmm. you could say, of course, like food groups, but not just vegetables because mm. we get that. Yeah, but yeah. like what are the, if you're going to try to improve your health in yeah. one way or another, yeah. what would be the most important thing to include? Beans, greens, nuts and seeds. Beans, greens, nuts, nuts and, seeds. and seeds. Yeah, so beans being anything from... Pinto beans, navy beans, chickpeas, uh, azuki, black bean, butter beans, you know, they're fantastic sources of nutrition for us. Um, nuts and seeds, again, whole sources of fats and quality fiber. Um, and greens, because they are, uh, we know, looking at brassica vegetables in particular, so um, cauliflower, cabbage, uh, broccoli, savoy cabbage, um, all these different sorts of greens. They contain uh, incredible chemicals like indole-3-carbonyl or sulfurophane. Um, some of you listeners might have heard of those sort of uh, chemicals that we, we know are concentrated in those vegetables. And they have powerful anti-inflammatory impacts. They're anti-carcinogenic. They reduce the risk of cancer. In lab studies where yeah. they're put in media, uh, we know that they can fight cancer cells to a very, very a grand degree. Um, and that it may in part explain one of the reasons why people who eat more brassica vegetables mm -hmm. in population studies is associated with lower rates of cancer. Okay, bare for å gjenta det han sa her, for dette var jo ganske viktig. Rupi sier altså at 
brassika eller brassika eller kolväxter på norsk som broccoli, hodekål, neper, rosenkål, grönkål och blomkål har visat och innehåller stoffer som faktiskt kan bekämpa kreftceller i laboratorier. So it's not a, a cure, it's not no. a panacea, but it's certainly protective against cancer. Okay. That's so interesting. Yeah. Okay. And there, there could be a whole bunch of other reasons behind that. Like, you know, greens are also a good source of fiber mm. and that impacts your gut microbiota. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to touch on that as well because mm. there's a lot of people asking about protein if you're going to eat more vegetables and yeah. stuff. Like, where do you get your protein? That's the basic uh, question. Um, and uh, I think we can all agree that there's no problem getting your protein no as long as you get your uh, get enough food, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's no, it really is a bit of a myth. And uh, honestly, like if you look at hemp seeds, for example, yeah. they're, they're quite novel in the fact that they contain uh, all nine essential amino acids. So the essential amino acids that you'll find in meat, you also find in hemp seeds to varying degrees. Um, but you can maintain your stores of uh, or your um, uh, needs, your protein needs from plants alone. That isn't to say that everyone need, can go vegan because there are other deficiencies that may be attributable to a completely plant-based diet, which is why I'm not personally 100% vegan. But you will get adequate amounts of protein on a daily basis right. from beans, nuts, seeds. Yeah. And then we're over to the other. Uh, I don't know if you would call it a nutrient, but fiber. Yeah. Uh, is it a nu- it's is it a nutrient or is yeah, it more? Yeah. A, yeah. It's definitely a macronutrient. Okay. I would say. Yeah. 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 Good. I mean, you could class it as a, a particular type of carbohydrate, but yeah. Okay. So why are we not talking more about fiber, and why is it so important, and what do people need to know about fiber? Yeah, I don't know why we're not talking enough about fiber because if you look at population studies, that's what we're lacking in our diets. It isn't protein. If you look at vegans versus vegetarians versus omnivorous people, um, omnivorous eaters, um, we have more than adequate stores of, of protein, consumption yeah. of protein. Fiber across the board, uh, less so in vegans and vegetarians, but we uh, are lacking that 30 gram a day uh, limit. And even 30 grams a day is so low. Uh, we would be consuming upwards of 90, 100 grams grams uh looking at hunter-gatherer diets wow so okay so i just need to uh, stop there because okay so you're saying that if we look at the studies mm. with people that eat meat people mm. that eat only plant-based and then uh the ones in between mm. you can see that everyone gets their protein that's not a problem mm-hmm. generally mm-hmm. if you do the same with fiber mm-hmm. you say that everyone is too low in fiber but the vegetarians, vegans are a little bit better. They're than, a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. just to summarize. Okay, yeah. good. Uh, and uh, where do you get your fiber? Like, how do you get 30 grams? Is that for male and female? Like yeah. 30 grams a day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, what is that? Like, uh, how many apples or how many? Uh, you could get your 30 grams from, let's say, 100 grams of beans, for example. Uh, so like you, a big handful. Yeah, like hand- a big handful of cooked beans. You yeah. probably get about 15 grams from yeah. that. Yeah. So, you know, having a good two different portions of, of beans or you could get that from two apples and a portion of beans. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could get it from uh, fruit, particularly things like pear. Um, and uh, there are other sorts of specialized prebiotic fibers that you can get from artichokes, garlic, 
onion, and again, similar amounts for those as well. Yeah. And so of course, you, whole grains. And whole grains. And oat, like oatmeals that we do a lot of in Norway. Absolutely. A lot of uh, brown breads and stuff. Yeah. 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 You, I mean, proper breads that have been allowed to ferment over a couple of days as they should do, mm-hmm. rather than the supermarket brands that have the speeded up process with added salt and sugar. Um, is definitely the way to go. How do you know that those bread are are better than others? What do you, what can you look for? Uh, the process. If if someone's taken the time to actually make bread in the right way, they should be writing about it on the packet. Okay. Um, and speaking to your baker as yeah. well, like if so you're slow yeasted, is that it? So sourdough and sourdoughs stuff? are yeah. fermented over a prolonged period of time, yeah. and yeah, that's definitely the way to go. I would say. Og når det gäller fiber, så spiser vi da i Norge i snitt rundt 20 gram fiber hver dag, og målet er minst 30. Hvis du skal spise 30 gram fiber på en dag, så kan du for eksempel starte dagen med en havregrøt. Så kunne du ha spist to grove brødskiver med avokado på, en halv avokado da fordelt. Og så passet på at du fikk i for eksempel to desliter med enten linser eller sorte bønner til middag, sammen med en neve mandler i løpet av dagen. Og bare ved å spise dette hadde du altså nådd over 30 gram fiber på en dag. Og hvis du i tillegg klarer å få i dig fem om dagen, ja da er du veldig godt innenfor. Utfordringen i Norge er at det er kun cirka en fjerdedel til en femtedel av oss som klarer å spise fem om dagen. Så kanskje det kunne vært et nytt mål for 2020, at man skal øke hvertfall med minst en om dagen, kanskje til og med to. Have you always been a healthy eater? Uh, I would say I've always been experimental. Um, my mom taught me how to cook before I went to medical school. Um, she would cook everything at home from spaghetti to Indian food to even American. Mm-hmm. Um, even during university, you know, I lived in a house with people where we'd cook roasts and barbecue and that kind of stuff. I wouldn't say it was always healthy, um, but I kind of applied my love of food and my culinary um, knowledge to healthy eating when I got ill. And right. after I got ill, that's when I started eating better. Ah. I, uh, I I knew that food uh, was important, um, but I, it definitely wasn't on the agenda at my medical school. Um, it now is, but uh, like even when I qualified, it wasn't on my agenda either. It wasn't until I got ill myself and I overcame my own condition using a lifestyle approach that I started doing my own sort of uh, research and looking around and digging into the literature to find out why food was so impactful but how, to me. How, Ill, how, how did you get ill? Like what is, what so happened? I started, I suffered from atrial fibrillation, which is where your heart beats irregularly and mm. very fast. Mm. I would my, my heart would go up to 200 beats per minute, um, two to three times per week um, for anywhere between 12 and 36 hours. Uh, I had multiple tests. Uh, I didn't have a trigger found. I um, was going to have an ablation, which is where they put a guide wire into the heart and they, uh, they they burn an area around the pulmonary vein or they seal it. Um, and I was going to have that. And then my mum was the one that told me to look at my lifestyle and my diet and, and see if I can optimize that before um, you know, going ahead with this procedure. And so... 
I was very skeptical at the time. I spoke to my cardiologist. They said, fine, you know, if you want to take six months and try something, but you're going to need to have this procedure at some point. Um, and so, yeah, so I started looking at my diet. I started just adding more veggies, redu- reducing the refined sugars and cereals. And uh, I just, yeah, I, I, I started meditating, reducing my stress by concentrating on my sleep. I was still working as a junior doctor, so it was always very stressful. Um, but then my episodes went from two to three per week to zero over about 12 months. Wow. And that's when I was like, okay, there's something here and I don't understand it. So I'm going to try and figure out what, what is going on. Um, and that's when I started digging around and I found all these research studies looking at cardiovascular disease and arthritis and anti-inflammatory diets and the impact of uh, plant fiber and this whole thing called the microbiota, which I had no idea about. Um, and I started the doctor's kitchen after I started having more open, honest conversations about the beauty of food with my patients and trying to show them a way in which they can help themselves through food. Uh, and that's what I, I do now. And I guess that if people want to know more about this, they can check out your podcast and get the full story and yes. get all the things, right? Yeah. Episode Fantastic. one is my story um, on the doctor's kitchen Fantastic. podcast. Fantastic. Okay. So, um, one thing I want to know, if I say Norwegian food, oh. what do you think? What do you think? Smorgasbord? Smorgasbord. <laughs> That's Swedish. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a very, we have, we have a big job to do. <laughs> very funny. I don't know. Um, herring? Maybe herring? Um, Is that Swedish as well? Yeah, I used to have a Swedish herring. girlfriend. That's why. Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I never really went to... No- I've been to Oslo once, mm-hmm. and all I remember is that the beer was so expensive. <laughs> so expensive. <laughs> Eye-wateringly. Um, yeah. And I've never been back since. <laughs> <laughs> so if I buy you a beer, will it come? Okay, yeah, okay, fine, that's fine. Good. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. so we're going to have some quick questions where you just uh, answer on top of your head here. Okay. Um, regular beef burger, lab-grown burger, or bean burger? Bean burger. Yeah. Well, you said that for us, it's very easy. Yeah. Okay, tacos or pizzas? Tacos. Indian or sushi? Oh, sushi. Interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> breakfast or dinner? Dinner. Yeah. And best snack? Best snack. Oh. You, want to, you want to know what a naughty snack is yes. for me? Yes. Uh, pretzels dark chocolate and hazelnuts Ooh. yeah it's so, just it's like it's it all together hasselnutter okay so this is so okay i'm gonna i'm gonna test it out but i'm not sure i'm gonna enjoy it oh, i love it uh okay but it was it fantastic um would you have one last advice for people that if they just want to like improve their health a little bit you said a lot already but just something to get them going you know i i would try not to overcomplicate things um and i think we here at this conference are overcomplicating a lot of things and that was my point to the uh, the meeting that we're having afterwards um it's try to get as many different types of plants into your diet every week that's it yeah it's as simple as that and your body inherently knows how to look after itself I hear you're also using the word or the phrase, eat the rainbow. Mm. I'm using that a lot. Mm. And that's very good. I think that's a nice way of looking at it. Choose as many colors as you can yeah. and you will get what you what you need. Absolutely. Thank you so much for nice. stepping into my office. My as pleasure. we call it here in London. <laughs> and uh, I will post links to your blog and everything under the episode. And I will see you soon. Appreciate Thanks. it. Thank, Thank you. you.